Yo, what's up, everybody? This is Reverend Peter Watts, the coordinator for the African-American Black Council in the RCA. And today I have a special guest with us, Elder Jonathan Banks. Elder Banks is the current Chief Operating Officer at the Urban Outreach Foundation. He is also author of the book, Raise Your GPA, God's Way to Win at School and Life. Jonathan lives in Illinois with his wife, Jacinta, and their sons. And we are excited to have him here today to talk about the Black Church. So, Jonathan, how are you today? Reverend Peter, it's a phenomenal day. I'm excited to be on with you. Uh, it's a blessed day in Illinois, man. Oh, man. Thank you again for uh, rocking with us uh, on today. And so we're going to jump right into it, uh, if you uh, don't mind. So uh, before we get started, just um, just tell us uh, about yourself uh, and your ministry. There are people out there that uh, may not know who you are and may be listening for the very first time. Uh, so just go ahead and tell us about yourself and your ministry. Reverend Pete, I like to think that I have the tragedy to triumph Christian fairy tale. So the first time I ever remember being in church, I was 13 years old for my father's funeral. My parents had split when I was five years old. And so here I am the first time I remember being in church at 13. Thankfully, God did a miracle in my life. I got saved at 18 as a part of a campus ministry. Uh, and so my journey from birth to Christianity is not the normal one. I happen to be bi-ethnic, and I use that term intentionally because I believe there's only one race on the human planet, the human race, all descendants of Adam, all descendants of Noah, of course, various cultures, ethnicities, heritages, uh, backgrounds. God has just been good to all of us. So I'm bi-ethnic, dad's black, mom is white. Dad's family comes here on a slave ship. Mom's family comes here on a refugee ship. My mother's parents were German Jews, and there were five boats that were the last five boats that had German refugees on them uh, fleeing Europe when Hitler came to power. My grandparents were on one of those boats. So here am I, this little mixed kid in Philly, uh, growing up with uh, some cultural identity, but not a strong connection to the Black community. Here I am at 18, and I get to Purdue University. Man, life hits me like a freight train, and I know I need God. I know there's something bigger and better. God saves me, and the Black church saves my life. Wow. Now, you say the Black church saves your life. What, what does that mean? To me personally, what it means is that here's someone struggling with a reason to live. Again, I told you, life hit me like a freight train. And I was wondering if I really had a purpose in life. And even though I had some suicidal thoughts, it wasn't because I wanted to die. I just wasn't sure that there was a good reason for me to live. Christ became that reason for living. When I first heard the gospel message, and it helped me understand that the God of history was invested and in love with me, that activated faith in my heart and gave me a reason to keep going to explore that God and to explore my possibilities as being a part and connected to that God. The Black church was there. It embraced me. It gave me identity. It gave me Christian witness. And it gave me a reason to 
be spiritually curious about my own future and own possibilities of what God could do in my life. Man, that's amazing. So when you think about the black church and you think about the black church and its future, what do you see? I see incredible opportunity and incredible challenges. Like every great opportunity, one of the best opportunities the Black church has is to empower its communities and empower its constituents. The Black church has always been very rich with cultural identity, and that has been a lifeline for so many to find relevance, to find integrity, to find validity for their own existence and the existence of their community. But going forward, we've really got to understand what true empowerment is, that it goes beyond identity, cultural and spiritual, and it moves into economic, financial, spiritual, uh, academic and career identities to make sure that we link the rich heritage and possibilities that we have with an unlimited future that God has designed for us. Mm. And so when, when you think about the challenges uh, right now, um, you think about the context that we're in in our country and uh, what we've experienced, uh, you know, with political uh, strife and uh, racial unrest and uh, law enforcement and the criminal justice system and, and then uh, COVID and the disparity in healthcare and communities. And, and when you think about that, what and you think about the Black church, what do you think uh, is the biggest challenge right now that the Black church faces? Great question. And of course, my answer is unique to my experience and my purview. Mm-hmm. So the Black church has some credibility and some proficiency in meeting community needs and being a voice. That has been a lifeline for generations, decades slash centuries, being a voice for the community and to be a link to other resources and a source of truth. Now more than ever, both of those are needed, but we know that we have to go even beyond where we've been. We still have to be a voice for truth and an advocate for our community, the needs and the opportunities. But now, as I shared earlier, we've got to play a more active role in preparing generations for the opportunities and challenges that we know we're going to face. Obviously, uh, before COVID, there was always an economic challenge and a digital challenge as far as exposure to resources. COVID exposed a lot of that dichotomy as far as the haves and the haves nots. We've got to make sure that as new economies emerge, new business opportunities emerge, new health uh, opportunities emerge, that our constituents and our communities are equipped to take advantage of those new opportunities, those new economies, those new uh, career opportunities. And it's not going to happen after high school. It's going to happen in those formative years of elementary, middle school, and high school, and even um, college years uh, that will look someone like they have in the past, but not identical to have in the past because opportunities are new our approach to them must also be new 
it makes me think about uh, this uh, analogy that I always use. I always talk about uh, my uh, youngest daughter, who is uh, Gen Z. Uh, I think she's mm-hmm. 22 years old. And um, sh- her favorite song is Smokey Robinson Cruising. Baby, let's cruise. I can't sing, but that's her song. <laughs> and sure. when I asked her, why did she like that song? She said the lyrics, uh, the musicianship, like all of that uh, in that song that Smokey Robinson did, it it resonated with her. And I'm thinking, okay, that song was made years ago um, in a different generation, but it is enjoyed today by a Gen Z generation. Uh, and it makes me think about the church and the gospel message and how um, the message of the gospel never changes, but the delivery and how uh, folks receive and intake that message may change or the way it gets delivered may change. And so uh, when I think about the the Smokey Robinson analogy, I, I think about the fact that uh, when that song first came out, I think it may have come out on eight track and then it then came uh, switched to cassette tapes and then to CDs. And now it's streaming the same song just delivered in a different format. And so when you think about the black church and you think about uh, today's generation in your view how can the church reconnect with this generation of young people who may find more interest in what's going on outside of the walls of the church than what's going on in them? The first thing that comes to mind, Reverend Pete, is the fact that while I have not grown up in the Watts household, I'm guessing that she was exposed to that song in your household. And so that that song connects some nostalgia with validation of her current experience. So what did she hear that in your household growing up? Yeah. So again, there's the nostalgia of the connecting her history with also connecting with her current state. That is the blueprint for how the black church lays claim to relevancy for all generations. Mm. In times past, we've had the luxury of living in siloed organizations. The church took care of spiritual needs. The school took care of academic needs. There were social programs that may have dealt with uh, food or shelter programs. No longer. In the world, those silos have been shattered. And as the church, especially the Black church, we have to make sure that we are not uh, insulating ourselves with the comfort of silos and that we're willing to expand uh, the reach of the gospel into every area of life, especially with young people of color. If Mm -hmm. they can't connect the areas of their life and see congruence and to have a fluid interaction between each of the parts of their life, what they may be, you know, we would have called being authentic or keeping it real or keeping it 100. That's, what I see as the greatest opportunity. No longer offering siloed connections or siloed approaches, but to have an integrated approach where they see relevance in every part of their life with the gospel. Mm. So it sounds like you're talking about a holistic approach or holistic ministry um, uh, in that respect, that it's not uh, separate parts that are uh, divided out, but it's really a holistic or whole approach to life um, with the church. 
Holistic, yes, but I believe that holistic is in the eyes of the beholder. Sometimes Mm -hmm. what holistic means is that the church adopts additional siloed uh, approaches, and that cannot be. You can't just add a food ministry or add a jobs ministry. You have to integrate them so that there's faith in each element and each component so that faith is not just relegated to Sunday mornings. Then we take care of the natural man on Tuesday and maybe the economic man on Thursday. It's got to be full integration so that people see relevance of faith. Think about it. A hundred years ago, someone could have died from what today could perhaps be handled by an aspirin or a simple procedure. So what has traditionally been viewed as miracles, signs, and wonders, those are no longer miracles to this generation because Mm -hmm. I can cure that seven ways to Sunday. What we have to do now is make sure that they see things that pull their attention. What was the what was the role of those miracles, signs, and wonders? It was to shed light on the gospel message and on the power of God. How now can we shed light on the gospel message and on the power of God? My personal conviction is that we're going to see a a wave of ministry and career and life excellence that will become the shining light and will act as the salt in this world to draw the attention, to draw the eyeballs, to draw the hearts of those to take another look at God. So is it more like marketplace uh, that the churches, uh, that ministry uh, in this generation is more like marketplace ministry versus ministry behind the four walls? It's got to be marketplace plus. It's got to be marketplace. It's got to be heart place. It's got to have a role in education. It's got to have a role in how we meet the needs of our community, uh, whether those be social justice, ethnic or racial justice. Um, Really, there, there cannot be a part of life where faith does not intersect. If it is, then it's not true faith because it doesn't touch every part of my life. Just like the scripture said, beloved, I would that you prosper and be in health as your soul prosper. That is the mindset that there has to be holistic prosperity, but not siloed uh, holistic health, integrated holistic health. Just thinking about your story, um, like you said, you're. One side of your family came on slave ships. The other side came on a refugee uh, ship. Uh, and so uh, when we think about the black church uh, and its history, we we understand that it was a birth out of out of struggle. It was birthed out of slavery, out of suffering. Um, you had the invisible church. Uh, then you had the institutional church. Uh, and then, you know, there was this whole season even of a multi-ethnic church or multi-ethnic ministry. Uh, are you were you a proponent of the multi-ethnic ministry or or is that a watered down version of the black church? Or is that a needed like can you kind of speak speak about that just because of your own makeup ethnically? Sure. And uh from a disclaimer point of view, uh the opinions expressed are that of Jonathan Banks <laughs> <laughs> and not of any other institution or experience. I'm just being real and yeah. uh authentic, even borderline raw here with you. And this um, is a conversation sure. in my living room. It's a conversation. So, of course, uh when I was young in my saved life, it was important to me to 
be a champion for all ethnicities. I saw myself as a bi-ethnic Christian and wanted to make sure that I was connecting all the dots and to have a true melting pot uh, experience. Now I see real value in multi-ethnic worship, collaboration, synergy, all of God's people working together. At the same time, I see tremendous and growing value and need for the uh, unique expression of worship and collaboration within the Black church, that the Black church has always been a necessary vessel of uh, truth-telling and opportunity uh, opening for the African-Americans and for, for Black Christians now even more because of the, uh, really the, the struggles that in America that African-Americans have faced, um, that to have the vibrancy come through the Black church would be unparalleled as far as impact for the Black church to uh, grow in its relevance and in its offerings. So I hope I, I answered your question as far as yes and. So as mm -hmm. someone that, that shares my heritage, um, that has an appreciation for God's protection and for the attention given to those Jews that survived the Holocaust experience, and then hopefully being a champion for the gospel message, because I believe that any one that embraces true Judaism, that they are Messianic Jews because of the promise of the Messiah that God shared through multiple prophets, especially Isaiah, that every Jew should be looking for the next move of God. And in fact, I believe that's what happened to me, that I was looking for relevancy and true connection with God. And really, it was through my impact with Christians and primarily for my experience with Black Christians and the joy that they expressed in their relationship and in their salvation connection with God. That's what drew me. It was through the worship experience and the cultural uh, uniqueness of the Black church. You don't know who you're reaching. And the Black church, of course, is impacting other ethnicities as well. Um, there are not just Black Christians showing up at white churches or multi-ethnic churches. There are Hispanics. There are white people. There are multi-ethnic people that are showing up to experience the Black church experience because they see the demonstrated power of God there like they don't other places. Mm -hmm. So, yes, Black church, 2021 and beyond. Yes, absolutely. It's kind of like how Bonhoeffer discovered Black Jesus in Harlem. <laughs> yes, yes. In fact, with, without that type of experience, your, your theology can't help but be limited. Mm -hmm. But yet when you expose yourself to other worship expressions and other doctrines, it has to challenge your understanding of what you believe. And you'll either grow spiritually, you'll have deeper convictions of your cultural and spiritual heritage, or you're exposed to new and different and your understanding of God's truth expands. So you, you're never hurt by experiencing other cultural and religious expressions. So yeah, everyone needs to come and worship at a black church. Tell us about Urban Outreach Foundation and uh, the story about how you ended up and landed there and what your, what your role is and what you do there. 
Wow. Of course, honoring Urban Outreach Foundation and the work of the late co-founder of Urban Outreach Foundation, Dr. Melvin Banks. And while we are not directly related, I know, I believe our families are from a similar part of Alabama, but uh, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, we're we're cousins, as all black people are right, cousins. Right. We all cousins. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, after I got saved at Purdue, uh, I worked as an engineer for ten years in Chicagoland, and then uh, went back, got my business degree, was working in different fields of real estate and finance, and ultimately came on staff at our church as the ministry director, kind of an executive pastor role, and loved ministry work, loved serving my pastor, loved serving my community, loved serving my church. It was the greatest job in the world. And I would always say, uh, only half jokingly, if I didn't have bills, I wouldn't let them pay me. And Mm -hmm. so uh, here is UMI doing phenomenal work for 50 years, Urban Outreach Foundation, which is the sister organization to UMI, UMI is Urban Ministries Incorporated, also founded by Dr. Melvin Banks, a for-profit Christian independent, uh, the largest publisher of African-American and Christian-ed products out there, partnering with Urban Outreach Foundation, the nonprofit, which is doing equipping, uh, touching pastors, leaders, and churches and communities, doing community development, amazing work for decades uh, a mutual friend connected, reconnected me with UMI because I had been connected before, but reconnected me with UMI. And as Dr. Jeff Wright is always doing, looking to expand his leadership team and to bring on great talent, uh, invited me to come and serve with UMI's leadership team. And a few months in, asked me to run day-to-day operations as the chief operating officer at Urban Outreach Foundation. And inside, I am just doing my spiritual happy dance every single (laughs) day, Reverend Pete. Uh, I thought I was in my dream job serving my pastor at our church, but now getting to serve pastors all across the country and now also around the globe in Africa, Sierra Leone, South Africa, Ghana, Malawi, Grenada, the States, you name it, being able to see ministry happen, being able to be a a curator of great ministry resources, then equipping uh, these pastors with best practices and turnkey ministry operations is the future of ministry. Not only uh, is God calling pastors to serve in local areas, he is calling parachurch organizations to develop expertise and proficiency in ministry that can then be shared with these local pastors to raise ministry impact and be a blessing to the church. For the people that are listening and may have never heard of UMI, which is Urban Ministries, Inc., uh, I know about UMI because uh, I grew up in the Black Baptist Church and our Sunday school curriculum and Bible study curriculum and uh, BBS curriculum was all uh, purchased from uh, UMI or Urban Ministries, Inc. Uh, And so you said that UMI is the largest publisher uh, for African-American churches, right? That's uh, correct. And, and so uh, so the relationship uh, between UMI and UOF is... Uh, 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 it is a sister organization and there is a symbiotic relationship in that uh, we're always looking to partner for ministry impact. Um, UMI often comes with a number of the resources where Urban Outreach Foundation or UOF comes alongside with the coaching the training, and the equipping. If you force me to give our 30-second elevator pitch, Urban Outreach Foundation equips pastors, leaders, and churches with coaching, courses, and curriculum for growth. 
And that every word there is there intentionally. Of course, our three areas of specialty are coaching. We come alongside pastors, leaders, parachurch leaders, and we help grow their impact. There is nothing like accountability and helping iron sharpen iron. Our cadre of coaches have been with pastors. They have been senior pastors. They have been church planters. They have uh, served in executive pastor roles, and they are able to help maximize the impact of local leaders in their assembly. So we've got coaching packages. We also do uh, uh, courses which are taking some of our curriculum tools and helping use them in a training environment so that the skill set of local pastors and leaders rises. Oftentimes, when someone serves in a senior pastor role, Reverend Pete, you know they've been to seminary or they've gotten some theological training, but you throw them in the depth in the deep area of the pool with pastoring, and there are community issues and there are social training and there are counseling issues that sometimes seminary just does not train you for. Mm-hmm. And that's being generous for our senior pastors. You take a youth leader, you're just looking for someone with some energy, with some conviction, and that you don't think will hurt the kids, and you throw them in the, the deeper. <laughs> part of the pool. And so every youth leader needs a coach, Pastor Pete. Um, And we do coaching for youth leaders through neat courses like Courageous Answers for Sexuality, Curiosity, and Identity. We do courses for, uh, based off of my book, Raise Your GPA, which, uh, which prepares young people spiritually and academically, not separately, but combined so that they can rise. Mm-hmm. Um, we do training for pastors and leaders about church re- reawakening and being reconnected with your vision, mission, and impact. So we just believe in equipping local pastors for great success. Every pastor goes through seasons of energy and impact. Sometimes those seasons are seasons of burnout. Sometimes they're seasons of frustration. And there's nothing like having a coach that's in your corner that can help sharpen your focus and help maximize your impact. So it just sounds like to me that uh, the Black church still speaks on resourcing, right? Uh, And so when when you think about your ministry uh, with uh, Urban Outreach Foundation and its sister organization, Urban Ministries, Inc., what makes this ministry so important and needed uh, for Black church sustainability and growth? What, what role do you feel like your organization and your ministry plays in that? Every great resource is only as great as the context in which it's offered. Think about Dr. Melvin Banks 53, 54 years ago now, co-founding Urban Outreach Foundation because Urban Outreach Foundation precedes UMI. So here's Dr. Melvin Banks traveling the country, training leaders, training Christian ed leaders, training deacon boards, training pastors, training churches on community outreach. And he sees the need for contextualized Christian education products. Every Sunday school material that was out there only depicted other ethnicities, and it reduced the impact uh, in the identity formation in young Christians, especially in the turbulent racial challenges of the day, of the 60s, of the 70s, and even going up to today, uh, especially with the rise of counter-Christian influences that tried to label Christianity as the white man's religion 
Well, mm. Dr. Banks understood the African influence in the Bible and wanted to make sure that we were sharing the truth about spiritual legacy. And so one way that he did that was to make sure that the Christian ed resources that we offered at UMI and even the coaching that we offer at UOF made sure to validate and to celebrate the African and the African-American legacy in the Bible and in the American church, therefore giving credibility and giving uh, really that that identity, that feel-good story, that God had you in mind as an African-American, as a, someone with African heritage, and you were not a, a Johnny-come-lately add-on, God had you in mind from the beginning. That mm-hmm. is just everything, especially with some of, as I shared, the some of the ethnic and racial challenges of the 70s all the way leading up to today. Now, that this is deep right here because uh, no, not too long ago, there was this uh, whole move about Christianity being the white man's religion. And then there was the um, with uh, Dr. Eric Mason and, um, and, and that group doing the woke uh, church conference mm-hmm. and things like that. And it really awakened African-American uh, Christians to uh, study more. And so folks started uh, reading um, uh, Dr. O- Thomas Oden's book, uh, uh, you know, the African, Africa's influence uh, in Cri- on Christianity. And then they just started, you know, digging deeper and began to find uh, that there were, uh, that Christianity was uh, really embedded in uh, Africa and in African culture uh, long before it had reached the West in Europe. And so, uh, and so how, how is uh, UMI and UOF uh, as well, how, how do you see these two organizations uh, as a, not just a gift to the Black church, but a gift to the church at large? One of the ways that I believe that UMI and UF are a gift to the body of Christ at large is that you are, we do see a sprinkling of resources that have popped up recently. You know, really to be a supporter of Black Christianity and just Black lives and dignity at its core has almost been in vogue for the past 13, 15 months. Mm-hmm. where uh, you've seen some progressive church leaders on all sides in all ethnicities wanting to show support. Uh, but to have an authentic voice, to have a an uncompromised voice, and to have one of the original voices in UMI and in UOF, to have the uh, the uncompromised stamp of approval of 50 plus years of legacy of being a champion for biblical truth and not trying to take anyone else's thunder, but being a a harsh, uh, continual reminder. Uh, You know, no one had to wake up UMI or UOF when it came to African-American and Black issues. These are drums that we've been beating for 50 plus years Sometimes there's been a warm reception. Sometimes we've been asked to tone our voices down, but to have a consistent voice and to have almost UMI and UF not only be the elder statesman, but also hopefully the uh, coming with fresh and unique resources day, kind of like our Black History Month program and our uh, Juneteenth offering, that these are coming from authentic voices. These are not just, uh, as I said, Vogue 
marketing ploys to try to shed light on uh, you know inauthentic issues. Th- these are tried and true voices that have been here in this space and will be in this space going forward. So, man, I remember it was probably what I think in twenty, probably about three years ago. Uh, we did vacation Bible school. And of course we used uh, UMI uh, VBS material. And it was just uh, the fact that the VBS material was centered around strengthening families and communities um, in the church. And the VBS material wasn't, wasn't just, it was the Bible study, you know, the study in the word of God and, and you know, yes. engaging kids in that, but it was so much deeper because it then went into like the history of different communities uh, and talked about black wall street and then talked about uh, the original communities in central park. And, and it just went around the country and gave these different stories that, we aren't learning in public schools and maybe even in private Christian schools for that matter. Um, but UMI, uh, I think, goes deeper um, to be able to tell those stories that are not being told. Uh, and so that it brings, again, this richness to the Black church experience and, uh, again, it, to the larger body of Christ. I would add some uh, sprinkles on top of that dessert that you just uh, laid out there, Reverend Pete, in that every parent's dream is typically that their daughter, their son goes higher, goes farther, does better. And I would challenge every parent, pastor, youth leader, someone with a heart for the community that we help sow seeds of faith and identity in our young people now more intentionally than ever. They desperately need that cultural and faith identity interwoven so that they don't see their relationship with God as uh, something reserved for Sundays or something I can leave on the shelf until I need it. No, your faith will help fuel you every single day. Your faith fuels your cultural identity, your academic identity, your business identity, and even to the point that when we are infusing faith into our young people, that it it unlocks every single question. Why do we, why are we here volunteering at this school? It's because of the legacy of service that our ancestors poured into us and the richness that that is in front of you. Oftentimes, you know that uh, uninformed Christians reach back, well, you know, we built the pyramids. Well, we did more than build the pyramids, just like you referenced. We had uh, Black Wall Street. We've got Black inventors. uh, And we don't just have to go back to inventing peanut butter. Right now, there is a Black woman that holds five or six patents on RNA vaccine technology that's being used right now to vaccinate the world. So you don't have to look back generations. We've got Black history and Black brilliance being demonstrated today if we are bold enough and courageous enough to tell our stories unapologetically. Mm, That's good, man. That's good. I did receive your book, uh, Raise Your GPA, in the mail. And so thank you you for that resource. Uh, Can you just kind of tell us about your book, Raise Your GPA, and um, and what it's about and, and where folks can pick it up at? Raise Your GPA was birthed out of my years as the youth leader at our church and finding young people being disconnected and disinterested 
from academic achievement. You know, for years, most of our young people have uh, aspired to either be successful in the music industry or to succeed in professional sports. And I support all of that. But I also support academic excellence. And Raise Your GPA is a faith-based approach to academic and life excellence for tweens, teens, and young adults. Talking about unlocking identity, it cements faith in every part of a young person's life, not just in what not to do, because we oftentimes want our kids to stay away from violence, to stay away from bullying, to stay away from negative social media, to stay away from premature intimacy and from, you know, sexting and other things that we deem to be detrimental to their holistic health, especially their spiritual health. But we don't necessarily tell them what to do and how to achieve and maximize their God-given potential academically and career-wise. And to be quite truthful, my personal conviction is that those that are turning away from the faith in their young adult years do so in part because they believe that in the black church and in church in general, we have disenfranchised them by lying to them, by saying that they can be anything they want to be. When we know that that's not true, what the truth is for their life is that they can be everything that God has designed them to be. And just like they must find their cultural identity in Christ, they have to find their academic motivation and their career aspirations in who God challenged them to be. So that's what Raise Your GPA does. It stands for raising your grade point average and your God point average, the things that push you closer to God and success. We are all about equipping youth leaders, parents, families with great resources, my work with Raise Your GPA uh, certainly fed into my fuel to serve leaders, pastors, and churches with great ministry resources. That's what we're all about. That is uh, really what drives us and what wakes us up every morning to make sure that we are prioritizing the Black church as we serve the body of Christ at large. Amen. Amen. And thank you, thank you, thank you again for uh, spending time with me. Thank you again for uh, being a part of this uh, podcast. The Black Church still speaks, and most definitely, the Black Church uh, still speaks on a lot of things uh, that uh, is not just important for those of African descent, but I believe that uh, what we speak about is a gift to the larger body of Christ. All right. Well, my name is Reverend Peter Watts with the African-American Black Council, and you just heard um, a conversation with Elder Jonathan Banks of the Urban Outreach Foundation. Thank you again, brother. Man, it's a pleasure was mine. God bless you. You're doing a great work, Pastor Pete. Thanks so much. We want to thank our guests for rocking with us today. Now, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. I said our because this podcast is not a one-person show. There are some folks in the background who make this happen each month for our listeners. I want to give a shout out to our sound engineer, Garrick Steyer, logo and graphics by Warrior Design, our executive producer, Annalise Ratcliffe, and our assistant production manager, Lorraine Parker. I'm your host, Reverend Peter Watts with the AABC, and this is The Black Church Still Speaks. <laughs>